The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12, and we'll read down to verse number 25. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. He doesn't leave much room for uh, us making excuses. It says, if any man have a quarrel against any. And verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us, without charity we're nothing. Verse number 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, what an introduction as we enter into some instruction for the home. He gives us this wonderful introduction about who we are in Christ and and why we should be forgiving and why we should be thankful and where all of our action flows from. And before we get to one command, he tells us, hey, this is what we are in Christ This is why we do what we do, and now here's the things to do. Look at it, verse number 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, As you look at the handout that we gave you on the front there in the passage of Scripture, we tried to highlight and underline every place where it tells us the motive for why we do what we do. If you look at it, in uh, verse number 13, it says, even as Christ. In verse number 16, it says, to the Lord. In verse number 17, it says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In verse number 18, it says, it is fit in the Lord. In verse number 20, it says, unto the Lord. In verse number 22, it says, fearing God. In verse 23, as to the Lord. Verse 24, ye serve the Lord Christ. You know what he's doing as he reminds us who are really performance-initiated people? We, we, we want to do things, and we want to accomplish things, and we're driven to, go, to be goal-oriented. And we're often, if we're not careful, driven to receive rewards for all that we're doing here. And that's who we are is, is our nature, and God knows this. And so he constantly is underlying every action with, this is for the Lord. This is as to the Lord. 
This is not conditional based on your circumstances. This is not circumstantial. This is as to the Lord. This is all for the Lord. And by the way, if your motive is anything less than the Lord Jesus Christ, if your motive is anything less than as to the Lord, you're going to find yourself, and I'm going to find myself, failing in our, relational, in our relationships. Because if we make it circumstantial, how many know that your spouse is going to let you down at some place? Uh, uh, your children are going to let you down somewhere. Your parents are going to let you down somewhere. And so it's not conditional. It's as to the Lord. It's based on what the Lord has done for us. And in all our human relationships, we are called to follow the example of Jesus Christ. He says here in this passage, it's because of what the Lord has done. It is because of the example of the Lord. It's because of how God treats us in our relationship. How many glad this morning that though you failed the Lord, that he still forgives you and cleanses you and receives you and restores you, and there are no conditions to that, that God says, you come, you confess, you forsake, you'll have mercy, I'll cleanse you, I'll forgive you. Every time, prodigal, you come back to the uh, porch of the Father, he'll come leaping to receive you. How many glad for the Lord? Because that's our God this morning. I mean, he's always going to receive us when we do wrong. He's always going to cleanse us when we sin. He's always going to forgive us. And by the way, there's not a condition on that. God doesn't say, if you do this, I won't. He says over and over and over again, you come, I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll receive you. How many know this morning that God is a good father? He's a wonderful savior. He's a good father. And he's our example. And so in all our human relationships, we are called to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we are called to an unconditional love and honor in our relationship with God and others. We are called to an unconditional love in honor in our relationship with God and others. God ties our, our love for him to our love for others, doesn't he? He says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, and with all your soul. And then he says to love your neighbor as yourself. He says that these two, all the law and all the prophets, hang on these two commandments. How you are towards God today and how you are towards others, these are what's important to God. And God says, hey, listen, unconditional love and unconditional honor in our relationships uh, uh, to God, uh, with God and others. And so let me just kind of put a definition around what that unconditional means. Unconditional means that there are no circumstances or conditions that will cause me to be unloving or disrespectful. There are no circumstances or conditions that will cause me to be unloving or disrespectful. How many know that sometimes with our behavior, we tend to excuse ourselves from Christ-like behavior because of our circumstances? That's often our first excuse, how we've been treated. And what does he remind us of over and over in his word? We that have been saved, that have been cleansed, that have been forgiven, that have been filled with his Holy Spirit. What does he remind us? He says, hey, listen, you're not doing it because you have the power to do it. You're not doing it because you've been treated uh, right. You're not doing it because you've been treated fairly. You're doing it because of how I treat you. You're doing it because of how I've, how I've shown you, how I've exemplified this behavior. Jesus reminds us over, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you. Hey, uh, uh, if, if don't render evil for evil, the Bible says, provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 
And so unconditional means that there are no circumstances or conditions that will cause me to be unloving or disrespectful. Now think about that as it pertains to your home. I'm not going to be unloving or disrespectful to my spouse, uh, to my parents, to my children, and all my human relationships, no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what the behavior is. Think about this. My wrong reactions are not caused by my circumstances. They come from within me, and they're revealed by my circumstances. My wrong reactions, my sinful reactions, are not caused by my circumstances. They're within me, and they're revealed or brought to light by my circumstances. A lot of people blame their circumstances for their behavior. We're not reactionary as Christians. God says, hey, listen, if there's a problem with your reaction, if you have an anger problem, it's not your circumstances that have caused you to be angry. It's anger that's within you that your circumstances are just bringing out. They're bringing out in your relationship. If there's bitterness or unforgiveness, uh, as he reminds us to forgive as Christ is forgiven, it's not because your circumstances have caused that. It's because within you is a bitterness in your heart or a lack of forgiveness in your heart and your circumstances or how you've been treated has brought that to uh, light in your life. And so unconditional, think about this, there are no conditions or circumstances that cause Christ not to be loving or respectful to me. He is always that way. And so unconditional means there are no circumstances or conditions that will cause me to be unloving or disrespectful. Let me tell you two things that unconditional is not. Unconditional doesn't mean license to behave wrongly. Think about that as we think about God's grace. Does God give us unconditional love? Does he give us unconditional respect? Does he give us unconditional honor? He does. He gives these things to us. But they are never licensed for sin. Does his grace end, folks? It never ends, does it? His grace never runs out. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But what grace is not, as the Bible teaches us, is that grace is never a license for us to do sinful things. Grace is never a license for us to do or live as we want. And so think about that in your home, in your family, in your relationships. Unconditional does not mean license to behave wrongly. Uh, Number two, what unconditional uh, love and honor does not mean is that it does not mean unconditional trust. It does not mean unconditional trust. Uh, God uh, is not trusting in us. We're called to trust in him. In other words, uh, when someone does wrong, there's a trust that needs to be rebuilt. When sin happens, there's a trust that needs to be restored. But it doesn't mean I can't love and it doesn't mean I can't honor. I can love and honor while I'm rebuilding trust in relationships. And sometimes I think that we think uh, those things as we look at unconditional love and honor. And so uh, the first thing is in this introduction, we're called to an unconditional love and honor in our relationships with God and others. And then the second thing is, just as we employ systems to keep our house organized, we employ scriptural guides to keep our relationships in order. And so we're going to look at that word this morning and that word guides And we're going to look at these guides, and maybe for you, they help me to remind me how I'm supposed to be in my relationships. Now, I'll be honest, I fail, and so do you. But these things help us to go back to the system that God gives us and how we're to treat each other. The biblical mandates that we have is God has treated us, this is how we're going to treat one another. And so he gives us these guides here. And the first one, when it comes to that word guides, is give. Give. He says this to us over and over again, that we're to give, that we're to be generous. Has God given to us? He has. God has given to us freely. God has given to us generously. 
God has bestowed on us His love. He lavished it on us. Did God withhold any, hold anything back when He loved us? He gave everything, didn't He? He gave His own life. He gave all that He had for us. And so He says, hey, listen, as I've been to you, so, so also be to those. Notice He says, even as Christ in this passage, as to the Lord. He says in verse number 13 and 14 in Colossians 3 in our text, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. As God reminds husbands, he says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself And so there's the uh, the biblical example that we have in our relationships, to give. And so we give uh, uh, because Christ generously gives to us. He says to husbands to give love in verse number 19, to love your wives, to not be bitter against them, to give that to them. Remember, this is unconditional. It doesn't matter whether she's uh, treated you right. It doesn't matter whether she's done everything right. It doesn't matter whether she's kept all, if you would, in performance. Hey, listen, we're not trying to send the message to people that our love is based on their performance, is it? Are we? We're not trying to send that message. The message that we want to send is our love is in Christ. Our love flows from God. And because God has a never-ending supply of love for us, we can give that never-ending supply to our wives and to our families and to our husbands and to our children. It's a never-ending, unconditional uh, love. And so we never want to say, I only will love you if you will obey me. Because God doesn't say that to us. God doesn't stop loving us when we stop obeying him, does he? He still consistently and persistently and compassionately shows and gives love. And so husbands give love. Wives give submission in verse number 18 and respect. Again, this is unconditional. It's not based on whether or not you uh, think that uh, you've been treated well or whether your needs have been met or whether the supply is sufficient for you. The Bible says you're to give submission and respect because God has given that to you. Because God respects you. Does God, hey, hey listen, uh, ladies, does God treat you with respect? Does God, does God treat you uh, in, in a valuable way? Does he show how much that you are valuable to him? And how much he cherishes you? And God shows that to you. And so the Bible says as he's shown you that kind of respect, you in turn show that to your husband. You let that flow from him to you, from your relationship with God to your relationship with others. Hey, as you love God and he loves you, love others. Love your neighbor as as yourself. And husbands give love. Wives give submission and respect. Children, verse 20, give honor and obedience. Children give honor and obedience. Again, it's a poor excuse and say, well, uh, my parents have made mistakes and they have not uh, always made the right decisions and they've done this and they've done that. The Bible says unconditionally unconditionally, it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord for you to obey your parents. Hey, children, uh, Ephesians 6, 1, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother that it may be what? Well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. God doesn't put the condition of the parents have been perfect or the parents are, are spiritual or the parents have done everything right. Hey, the parents we know just like the father, just like the mother, just like the husband, just like the wife are imperfect in their relationships. But the example is our perfect savior. And we look to him and we allow that to flow. And so uh, children give honor and obedience in the area of our relationships. Parents 
give nurture and admonition. Verse 21 speaks specifically to the father's uh, need to uh, instruct and give admonition and to love and not to provoke to wrath. And Ephesians 5 reminds us of the same. And, And here's the truth. We give generously because Christ gives to us. Now here's a clause. If we withhold giving, it's never because we are selfish, but because we're trying to prevent selfishness in those we give to. If we withhold giving... It's never because we're selfish. It's only because we're trying to prevent selfishness in those that we give to. And as good parents, hey, listen, that's a good rule of thumb as we look at whether to give or not to give. I don't give based on performance. I'm not trying to send that message. You've performed well, and so I'm just going to give to you then. Hey, does God give to you when you perform not so well? He does. God supplies my needs whether I've done good or not. God meets my needs. God has blessed me, whether I've done good or not. God's blessings are not based solely on my performance. We, we think sometimes, well, if I do good, that means God will bless me. Listen, God blesses us because God is good, and he never ceases to be good, and blessings just flow from God. And that's how good our Father is, and that's how good our God is. And so if we withhold, it's never because we're selfish, And again, we're looking at these guides, these scriptural guides. Number one, we give. Number two, we understand. We understand. Give, understand. The Bible says that the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know why we emphasize? Because Christ does with us. That's why we emphasize. That's why we show empathy to other people. Because Christ empathizes for us. Hey, nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. How about you? Jesus, does he empathize with you? Is he touched with the feelings of your infirmities this morning? Does he care for your soul? Does he care for your well-being? Does God care for your condition this morning? He cares if you're in pain. He cares if you're hurting. He cares if you have struggles. And he cares. He says, hey, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Doesn't God want us, as his spirit is delivered to us, to have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith? Are not God's thoughts toward us thoughts of peace to bring us to an expected end? Hey, we want to emphasize uh, with those uh, or empathize with those in in our relationships because Christ does with us. Sometimes, again, we put conditions on our relationships. Well, if I've been treated... If I, it's been done, if I've been treated the way I, hey, listen, you know what the Bible says? Hey, listen, that's how heathens do it. That's how heathens do it. If you're kind to those that are kind to you, what thank have ye? If you love those that love you, what thank have ye? Jesus said. He said, hey, listen, that's how heathens do it. How can we show that we possess the spirit of Christ by loving and emphasizing, empathizing and uh, sympathizing with those who can do nothing for us, with those who have done nothing for us, by caring for those who don't care for us. And then as we take that into our home and to our marriage and our family, boy, there's a love that's there. There's relationships that there. How much more should we empathize because Christ does with us? We seek to understand regardless of their appreciation to our empathy. You know, a time's a uh, I'm not, if I'm not careful, if you're not careful, if we don't feel like uh, our spouse or we don't feel like our children or 
caring for us the way or paying enough attention or empathizing with us and we don't show that in return. I'm not going to care about what's bothering you. I'm not going to, you don't seem like you care. No, 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 that's not how we do it. We understand because God seeks to understand us. You think about that. God who knows our hearts and knows us better than we know ourselves still comes alongside of us and stands at the door, knocks at the door of our heart and says, I want to come to you. I want to fellowship with you. I care for where you are at. I want to spend time with you, whether we show appreciation for that or not. How, how, how sometimes you and I show zero appreciation for how much God cares for us, how much he really wants to understand what we're going through. Uh, Think about this, if we withhold sympathy, it is only to discourage self-pity because we love them too much to celebrate pity parties. Think about that. God does not celebrate pity parties with us. If we withhold sympathy, it's only because we love them so much that we're not going to encourage self-pity in their lives. How many know self-pity destroys you? Self-pity destroys people when we feel sorry for ourselves. And, and God says, hey, listen, sometimes in the Bible when people were feeling sorry for themselves, he said, hey, listen, get up. Get up. And he, he nourished them and he took care of them. Think about Elijah when he was feeling sorry for himself. God came alongside of him and he baked him a, a coal and he fed him. And then he said, okay, it's time to get up now. The pity party's over. It's time to move forward and go do, get back uh, to doing what you're supposed to be doing now. And that's not a lack of sympathy. That's showing the ultimate kind of understanding and care. Number one, we give. Number two, we understand. Number three, we instruct. Number three, we instruct. Instruct. The Bible says in Colossians 3, here in our text, verse number 16, it starts in the second half of the verse. It says, teaching, teaching. You know, God has given us the responsibility in our relationships to instruct each other, to teach each other. In this case, he's using uh, the method uh, of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Boy, songs teach us something, don't they? When we sing to the Lord, it instructs us and it teaches us. When we gather together, it imparts a, a wisdom to us and knowledge to us and connects us in a relationship with God and how important music and the aspect of music plays in our lives. The world, the devil knows that songs teach. He knows that songs instruct. He knows that songs influence. One of the most influential methods of teaching a truth is through music. And it's how you influence people. It's how you connect with people and how the devil uses that for evil, but how God uses that for good in our lives. And instruction is given in teaching. And notice the kind of music, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Notice this, to the Lord, to the Lord. Instruct. We instruct because Christ imparts knowledge and wisdom to us. How many glad that God says, if you lack wisdom, just ask me for some and I'll give it to you. If you you lack wisdom... Just come to me and ask me for some, and I will liberally give it to you. I will freely offer it to you. You know, God's counseling door is never closed. His, his counsels are true. His judgments are true and righteous altogether. You know, the multitude of counsel is God's word. As we have the multitude of counsels here, sometimes we're very lazy. We don't go to God's word, and we look for counsel outside of God's word. 
Boy, that's a poor uh, step to take when you have uh, so much counsel and I have so much counsel in the Word of God. Hey, listen, any counsel we receive of men should flow from God's Word as well if it's to have benefit and success and bring us wisdom in, in our instruction. Think about that as you instruct in your relationships, in your marriage relationship or in your home relationship. How much instruction is to flow from the Word of God? By the way, we can take no credit for our knowledge or wisdom as it comes from God, as it comes from God. I can't take credit for this wisdom. This is not my wisdom. This is God's wisdom. This is wisdom that comes from God's word. This is, this is God's message to us in our relationships. This is a reminder. I have the uh, wonderful privilege and responsibility to be a herald of that message, but I'm a messenger. I'm not the author of the message. God's the author of the message. It's his wisdom. Doesn't God give us wisdom just liberally? He gives it to us. If we want it, he'll give it to us. If we want to receive it, he gives us. And so uh, we instruct because Christ imparts knowledge and wisdom to us. We instruct regardless of receptivity. We instruct regardless of receptivity. You know what's important that we all realize is God's given us the the, uh, the, uh, admonition. He's given us the instruction to instruct and to teach others. He says, hey, listen, whether they're receptive to the instruction or not, continue to give it. You know, uh, God never says to a pastor, to a preacher, uh, whether it's popular, the message, the message. He just says, preach the word, instant, in season and out of season. He says, just keep giving the message. It's not based on whether people are receptive to the message or not. It's based on whether or not the message is given. God says, continue to give it. Hey, listen, uh, moms and dads in your home, if you have children, regardless, there's going to be times where there's going to be times encourage. The Bible word is edify. And we can find this all through the scriptures when it comes to our relationships with each other, with the church, with our spouses, and with our children. Romans 14, 19 is a great verse for this. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. How many know that this morning one of the reasons why we've come together is to encourage each other? It's to edify and to build each other up. Now, by the way, that takes a deliberate action on our part. It means we're not going to come together and by accident, we're going to encourage each other. It's not just because we've showed up that that's encouraging, although it is on some level. But we are being deliberate in trying to build others up and edify them, and encourage them to keep following Jesus. How many need to be encouraged to keep following Jesus today? I do. I need that encouragement today. And as we uh, need that encouragement, boy, what do we do? We say, God help me, but God also help me to help someone else, to be edified, to be built up, and to be encouraged. And if uh, we encourage each other because Christ builds us up in our identity in him, our relationship to him, and our fellowship with him. God does all of that, doesn't he? Doesn't God build us up as he establishes in Colossians 3 our identity in him? How many glad that your identity is in Christ today? It's not in your performance. It's not in your background. It's not in the things that you have done. It's in all that he has done. That's where your identity is today. Find your identity in Christ, you'll be encouraged. Identity in Christ your relationship to Christ. Boy, we are heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are are sons and daughters of God. We are his children. We're the sheep of his pasture. 
He says, hey, we're in a relationship together. You know what's great about relationships with God? They don't end. They don't end. He will constantly, consistently, and faithfully pursue you and I even when we leave him. Even when we walk away from him, God will continue to pursue you. God will continue to pursue me because he loves us and he is unconditional in that love for us. Be encouraged today in our fellowship with him. Boy, are you encouraged when you fellowship with God? Hey, the Bible says that we have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all of our sin. I'm glad for that fellowship we have in Christ encourage. Think about this. If we withhold encouraging words, it is only to encourage them to stand firmly in the identity Christ has given already to them without the praise of men. In other words, sometimes we need to learn to stand in our identity alone with God without always needing uh, uh, moral support, if you would, with always need, without needing always the words of others to keep us standing. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do for people is just push them. That is the greatest. Push them to the Lord Jesus Christ and let his words build them up. And those are the greatest words we can give. Encourage. And then lastly, uh, this will uh, uh, just kind of round this off in our guides for relationships and keeping it together. Supplicate. Supplicate. Pray. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse number, I'm sorry, back here, uh, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, Romans chapter 8, in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You know, we pray for each other because Christ prays for us. Aren't you glad that he prays for you? You know what he said to Peter? He said, Peter, you're going to deny me. The devil wants to sift you like wheat. The devil wants to destroy you, but be encouraged. I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. That's what he said to Peter himself. Think about that. He said, well, I would love for God to be praying for me. The Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. You know that God is praying that Jesus Christ is interceding and mediating on your behalf, that we don't have a need for any other mediation because the mediator is the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and he is at the right hand of the Father and he is bringing our needs to God, that he is bringing our requests to God, that he is, hey, isn't that why we pray this morning in Jesus' name? We pray in the name of the Father because he's praying for you. Hey, listen, we don't pray for others because they prayed for us. We don't pray for others because they're in a good relationship with us. We pray for others because Christ is praying for us. We do for them because Christ has done for us. You think about that as it pertains to your spouse. And I'll tell you, I was encouraged this morning is before I even got up out of the bed, my wife came around to the side of the bed and she said, I just want to pray for you today. And she just prayed for me. You know, I needed that today. I needed that. I'm not trying to embarrass her. But I'll tell you, 
uh, when someone prays for us because God has prayed for them. Hey, listen, I need others to pray for me. You need others to pray. But hey, listen, think about it. We do that because he's done it for us. And he's ever living to do. Think about this, Romans chapter 8. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit, with groanings which cannot be uttered, the Bible says he intercedes and supplicates on our behalf. He takes the words to God that when we don't know what to say, when we're there and we say, God, I'm not sure what to say and I don't know how to handle this situation, the Holy Spirit says, I know what to do and I know how to handle it and I'll take it to God on your behalf. And boy, I'm glad for that ever-present, comforting Holy Spirit of God in our lives, aren't you? He prays for us. We pray for each other because Christ prays for us. We pray like Christ does for us regardless of their response or the results that we may or may not even see. Now, how many know that sometimes we get discouraged in our prayer life because we don't see the results? Let me say this, parents. Don't stop praying for your kids even if you don't see results. Don't stop praying for others just because you don't see the results. You say, I've been praying for so-and-so's salvation for so many years, and, and they've not said, I've been praying for someone to come back to God for so many years, but they haven't. I've been praying for my spouse who's lost, and I'm saved, and I've been praying that they would come to Christ. Hey, listen, don't stop praying. Regardless of whether you see the results or you see a, a performance uh, in response to it, just keep being faithful to pray. That's how God is to us. And then lastly, if we withhold prayer, we do so because it's time to step out in obedience and not to wait in faith anymore. Sometimes God says, when we get down to pray, he says, okay, that's enough. It's time to get doing what I told you to do already. How many know that you don't need to pray about what God's already told you to do? You don't have to say, God, uh, I'm going to pray about those things that you've given me to do because I want to make sure it's what you want. If God said it, it's what he wants. You don't have to pray about those things. Sometimes we allow prayer sometimes to keep us from obedience. We say, I want to pray a little bit more about this. And I want to, no, no. If you know God wants you to do it, take a step out of faith and do what he says. By the way, when we get down and we have the invitation time in a couple minutes, pray, ask God for the help that you need. But listen, determine when you get up that you're going to obey God, that you're not going to keep praying about what he already told you to do. But now after you get up off your knees, that you're going to go act in obedience and in faith, believing God for what he said and trusting that if you do what he says, they'll bring blessing to your life. Number one, we give in our relationships and we understand. Number two, and we instruct. Number three, and we discipline. Number four, and we encourage. Number five, and we supplicate. Number six. Now, Again, this is not a complete theology for all that you need in relationship, but what I wanted to do this morning is kind of wrap up all of our thoughts today with a word that you could remember to keep you on track and to keep things in order. I would say this this morning. If you and I would follow the biblical admonition here in doing these things in our relationships, our relationships would be more Christ-like. They would be more like the Lord is to us they would reflect more the relationship that he has to us. Remember, it's unconditional love and honor that God gives. And we, in response to his love and his respect and his honor and his care for us, we give that in return to each other in our relationships. And God will bless that if you'll trust him for it. 
If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.